Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening and welcome to another episode of The Sound Heart. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to be speaking from Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to begin with Matthew 19. And uh, we're going to take a a look at a discussion that Jesus had with the rich young ruler, and then we're going to move to the book of Acts. So with that, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll begin our study for this evening. We do thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your word. We ask to be guided by the Spirit, who is the author of the Scriptures, Lord. We do thank you that you have so allowed us to still have access to your word uh, in these terrible days. And we ask you, Lord, for your guidance and your wisdom and all that we do. And we do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. When we take a look in the Gospel of Matthew, particularly in in Matthew 19, we have a very, very powerful narrative that uh, I want to revisit briefly because this, uh, the message here uh, is preparatory for what we are going to study in the book of Acts. Now, as you well know, there are four gospel documents. And uh, so the first uh, gospel, that is the Gospel of Matthew, uh, somehow called a handbook of faith, a handbook of the faith. And so uh, Matthew uh, was written particularly for Jewish, early Jewish converts to the faith. And so we go to the book of Acts, uh, which was written by a Luther physician. We shall see that uh, there are two broad divisions of the book of Acts. The first part deals with or addresses the ministry of Peter. And and the second part of the book of Acts uh, goes into the ministry of Paul. So... um, But before we get there, I want to lay uh, this foundation down uh, for us in that Peter will decisively state that the ministry that he has received 
what he received is directly from God. And if you've read the Gospels, then you have read uh, the relationship that Jesus had with Peter. Uh, it was at times very challenging and uh, very frightening in some aspects. But God never let go of Peter. Uh, Peter had a, a, a divine mission that he was going to fill. The gifts and calling of God are not unto repentance. And so Peter would fulfill what God had called him to do. So uh, it, it, it is an amazing ministry. And when you read uh, a part of the uh, book of Galatians, you see how that um, the Lion of Pentecost, that is Peter, uh, was at one time uh, tempted to align himself with the Judaizers. And he was rebuked by Paul for aligning, for aligning himself with uh, these false teachers. So uh, Peter uh, rose to the occasion uh, in the book of Acts, and then he had his challenges. So he should be an encouragement. His life should be an encouragement to all of us as believing ones uh, about our walk with God. And uh, by the time we get to First Peter and Second Peter, uh, we see an, an elder statesman of the faith, and that is Peter. He has grown up in the faith. He has matured in Christ. Now, having said that, let me say that we, yet as you and I, do not meet, uh, reach ultimate maturity in Christ. We keep on keeping on. We keep on growing and maturing in the faith. Also, uh, Paul uh, will call himself Paul the Aged uh, toward the end of his ministry. And so here's another believer who has reached uh, maturity in Christ. When we read First John, uh, we read about a, this is the writing of a mature believer. The Gospel of John, First, Second, Third John, and Revelation are the, these documents come from the heart of a mature believer in the faith. The document of James, who was the brother of Jesus, this document uh, is, comes from the heart of a mature believer in the faith. So uh, these are the writers of the New Testament. We have Jude, and uh, who also contributed uh, a very powerful document that you should read. Uh, Paul contributed 13 documents. And so uh, these, these believers were spiritually mature. God matured them in the faith. That is, he grew them up. And so uh, I want to read to you right now from Matthew 19, verse 16. So, now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Listen 
carefully to the words of Jesus. If you want to enter life, obey the commandment. Remember, the book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. And what the theme of the book of Deuteronomy is love and obedience. These two go hand in hand in the word of God. One cannot say, I love Jesus without obeying the commands of Jesus. That is religion. But if we are to have a real relationship with God, listen to the words of Jesus. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder. Do not uh, that is, do not be a manslayer. Do not commit adultery. Do not, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Now, this, this encounter is is very powerful because uh, the young man opened this door himself. Jesus did not. Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, that is complete, to lay off, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So this encounter revealed the, the character of this young man. He wanted a formula, but Jesus gave him a prescription that would save his life. What do I still lack? So those words uh, or that question will become a scalpel in the hands of Jesus. So he want this young man wanted to be a completed man, and uh, but when he goes to Jesus and he asks Jesus what does he lack, he is not prepared. Uh, he, uh, this young man was not prepared to go deeper than his question, and I I have found this to be true. Um, when people ask 
have asked me certain things about the person of Jesus uh, in the past. Uh, they wanted an answer to their question, and they did not necessarily want Jesus' answer to their question. So, but look at the way this encounter started. What uh, good thing? And so the young man uses what we call, he uses an interrogative pronoun and an adjective. This, and one word, it is agathon uh, in the Greek. And so he wanted, and so Jesus said, uses the word agathon, which means that which is absolutely or intrinsically good. He wanted to understand the good. And Jesus said, there is only one who is intrinsically, inherently good, and that is God alone. So uh, Jesus, once again, would take his question and use it like a scalpel blade and in order to probe uh, into the uh, very condition of his soul. And that is, <laughs> he is the master. This is not therapy, and, but Jesus is, is, is the great theologian uh, who answered this young man's question. So what we have here is what we call uh, the impossible, it's called the impossible Separation. This man is uh, not undivided in his relation to God. So Alfred Edersheim wrote, it was a terrible surprise, a sentence of death to his life and of life to his death. The young man wanted wholeness, but he wanted wholeness on his own terms. He could have wholeness only on God's terms. And so it is this it is at this point where God meets you and I, where he meets us, and God speaks to us in the depths of our soul about who eternal life is, not what eternal life is. Eternal life is not an abstraction. It's not a thing. Eternal life is God's own life that he communicates, that he shares with us when we come into that, into that living relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a conjoint relationship with him that is eternal and only have that when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.